Well, good morning. I want to welcome each and every one of you to Paradise Valley Christian Church. And I do want to just say that I appreciate those of you who are willing to have it be a little bit cooler right now so that the second service, uh, we don't have to die of heat during that service. So the bummer part is, is that uh, our, our vents are coming from over here and one back there, but that's it for the whole space. And so uh, it, it, it starts off a little cooler for this service and gets a little warmer for the next service. But I always say, you can always put more clothes on. I can't take more clothes off, all right, okay, we, we don't want that, so uh, if you can bring a, a sweater or a little light jacket on Sunday mornings, uh, you usually try to get it down to about 65 or so, and then by the end of the second service, we're up to 77 or so, so uh, thanks for being here this morning, and uh, we are continuing through a sermon series called Follow the Servant, so we're in the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, and uh, we're in uh, chapter 1. And we'll begin in verse uh, 35. We'll be looking at verse 35 through 39. And I've, I've never been an early riser. Uh, and that is the title of today's message, Early Riser. Some of you wake up uh, at like 5 or 5.30 in the morning, which I still consider that nighttime, okay? Some of you might say that's the morning, I'm, I'm saying that's still nighttime. But I usually like to be the dean of our camps. If I go to camp, I like to be the dean. The reason why is that I get to say what the schedule's going to be. Okay, so if, if you know if somebody else is a dean, they say, "Oh, we're getting up at six and we're going to be to flag raising by 7 I'm like, "Oh, you know." So if I'm the dean, I get to say when we get to be where. And I also remember growing up that on Saturdays, my parents they made this rule for us as kids. They said, "If you're going to have breakfast in the morning on Saturdays, you better be up and have had your breakfast by 10 a.m. Otherwise, you miss breakfast and you have to wait till lunch later on." And uh, and so that was just something that my parents instituted, and I've had to implement that in my own home because my children uh, have inherited my love for sleeping in, okay? And, and I'm just someone that just loves to, to, to get as much sleep as possible. But I will say, though, that the older I get, the earlier my body forces me to get up. So I currently usually get up around 6 a.m., which I know for most of you that's still sleeping in, right? 6 a.m. But according to the today's verses, Jesus, he was an early riser. And so if we're going to we're going to look at Jesus and his example in our lives. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 1, and I want to just give a little bit of a context from last week. Will you stand if you're able this morning? We're going to read from Mark starting in verse 32, uh, and then we'll get into verse 35 through 39 today. But I want to go back to verse 32. And it says that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, our desire again is to follow where you are leading us. 
in every aspect of our lives, Father, just not on a Sunday morning or our times of Bible study or a prayer in the week, but each and every moment of our lives, we want to dedicate it to you. And so, Father, we desire for you to lead us, and Father, help us through your Holy Spirit's power to follow where you're leading. It's the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we talked about this, this idea that ministry is for everyone, everywhere, and we talked about the fact that there are going to be religious gatherings where ministry takes place, but then there's also going to be relational gatherings where ministry is going to take place, and we have to be ready for both of those areas in our lives, and, and we see again as Jesus was at the, at the synagogue, and he he, last week, he uh, cast out the demon there at that religious gathering, but then he also goes into the home, uh, and, and Simon's, Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick, not feeling well, and, and he, he ministered to her there as well, and, and then all these people are coming, and we see Jesus' ex- example the, the very next morning, verse 35, where Jesus made prayer a priority. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I would just write the, the point that I want to get at right off here is this, this idea of Jesus' example. How, again, he showed us what we're supposed to be doing, okay? And you think about Jesus and, and how he was so in tune with the Father that, you know, he probably didn't necessarily have to go do this, but he knew that it was going to be important for us to see that in his life. And so Jesus made prayer a priority. And again, noticing Mark 1.35 says, Jesus got up to pray very early in the morning while it was still dark. Prayer was a priority in his day, and it was the first thing on his list. Prayer was not reserved for some crisis or great need out of the ordinary. And almost every one of us prays when we come to our time of maybe a Gethsemane in our lives. When there's a terrible time ahead or one faces problems that are overwhelming, then prayer becomes a priority. But for Jesus, prayer was a priority when everything was going well. This was early on in his ministry. There, there wasn't great opposition or huge obstacles to overcome. In fact, the text comes so early in the ministry that everyone's kind of delighted about what's going on. And, and there's not even the, the future enemies that were criticizing him yet. They, they weren't there. And yet Jesus made prayer a priority. It, be, it was part of his lifestyle. It, it wasn't just something that, oh, maybe I should do once in a while, but it was who he was As a follower of God, there's this power in prayer. And Jesus demonstrated this in his own life and ministry. You see, a lot of times I think we're all familiar with how Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, preached the gospel. And he fed the hungry. And he comforted the brokenhearted. And he healed the sick. He cast out demons. And he gave sight to the blind, and he raised the dead. And all those are amazing, powerful things. And sometimes, I think we overlook that these powerful deeds were the overflow of a life of prayer. They were the overflow of his relationship with God and that daily communion that he had with God. And again, the Gospels tell us of the priority Jesus put on prayer in his life. 
that early on, in, in again, in his ministry, early in the morning, while it was still dark again, we read in these verses, Jesus would rise and spend time alone in a solitary place, it said, with God in prayer. And then often, even in busy periods of ministry, he would withdraw to solitary places and pray. That's found in Luke chapter 5, verse 16. And in Luke 6, 12, at times, he even spent whole nights in prayer. Luke 6, 12, spending all night in prayer. When was the last time you did that? Not, I, I never have. All night in prayer? And by making prayer such a high priority, Jesus was able to maintain a constant communion with his Father and draw upon God's wisdom, guidance, and power to fulfill his mission. You see, Jesus knew the source of, of the strength that he was going to need to live out the life that God called him to live on this earth. The same is true for us, isn't it? We should know where our strength comes from in order to live out the life God has called us to live here on this earth. And it's by going to God in prayer. And the apostles, they demonstrate this, this reliance on prayer. They were able to lead the church because they let nothing distract them from prayer. See, they understood that Jesus, what Jesus taught, and, and we seem to have forgotten that God's kingdom is advanced primarily through prayer. And that leaders must first and foremost take counsel of God in prayer and draw upon his power. And so in, in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, Therefore the apostles devoted themselves first to prayer and then to the ministry of the word, knowing that truth without power is as dead as faith without works. Truth without power is as dead as faith without works. And Jesus made sure to remove all the distractions around him. And he went to the Father. And the one who sees all was right there for Jesus. The Father who knows all and who can direct your steps is right there wanting you to come to him. The one who has wisdom beyond measure. And if you want to be a part of advancing the kingdom of God, then you better get your marching orders your marching orders right away in the morning. I remember going to camp, and, and I wasn't the dean one of those years. And all right, so I'm, I'm going along with this other guy's schedule. And, and he made it a point, which I thought was awesome. Before we got our physical food, we made sure to get our spiritual food. And so his schedule had us waking up, getting ready for the day, meeting together, and then going out and spending time, quiet time, by ourselves in prayer before we even had breakfast in the morning. And how important it is for right away in the morning to get our marching orders. Otherwise, the distractions of this life will send you in all sorts of different directions 
I, just, I think about coming into the office and I think, okay, I just want to spend this time, you know, praying for these individuals off the list and, and thinking about. And, and, and so I start to start to pray and I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I need to contact this person, though, about this. And, okay, well, let, just let me send a quick text message. And pretty soon, half hour goes by and, and I haven't taken the time to do what I wanted to do when I first came into the office. Because all the distractions of this life can s- so easily send us in so many different directions and we have to make prayer a priority in our lives Jesus did we see that here Jesus made it a priority and the more time you spend in prayer the easier it is to have godly priorities and so again the first thing I would encourage you to write down is Jesus's example was to make prayer a priority and that has an impact on then what he saw as the most important thing to be focused on, to have godly priorities would be the, I would encourage you to write down. And again, as we look at verses 36 through 38, again it says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why... I have come. And if we're going to be a part of spreading the gospel like Jesus, then we need to spend time in prayer in order that we understand the priorities that God wants us to have. To have godly priorities. And when Jesus was away praying, his disciples, it says, sought him out desperate to find him. Like, where, where did Jesus go? And again, as we read these verses Where it says, later Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why I came. Jesus' primary purpose was not to have dynamic, that's the word, a dynamic healing ministry. That, That wasn't his goal. Even though he did have an amazing healing ministry, his primary purpose was to teach and to preach about the kingdom of God and the good news that it brings, the hope of eternity. And as a a preacher, man, it can be so easy to fall into the trap of wanting to grow a congregation for God and forget to grow in my relationship with God. But not Jesus. When they found Jesus, they told him that everyone is looking for you. And of course, this was a reprimand, wasn't it? They're kind of scolding Jesus here. Hey, Jesus, don't you realize a lot of people want to see you? And they were saying, Jesus, don't you know that after last night, there, there would be more people coming to the house for healing and deliverance? These people need you. You need to get back and to the house and help these people instead of being out here alone and in praying. And think about that. The people were not looking for a heart change. They were looking for physical relief. And we talked about that a little bit last week, the idea of the people wanting to come for physical needs instead of spiritual needs. You know, they weren't looking to have their hearts changed. They just wanted to be healed. Again, Jesus' primary purpose 
was not to bring physical healing, but to share the good news of the kingdom of God. He healed people from diseases and, and demons to prove who he was and to fulfill prophecy and to demonstrate the kingdom of God and its good news. But he had other more important priorities that came straight from the Father. He spent that time in prayer and he, he, he communed with the Father to know exactly what he was supposed to be doing. And, and this is why Jesus wanted to go to another town. He wanted to spread the good news of the kingdom to more people. He was about the gospel of salvation, redemption, and forgiveness. And his disciples were concerned with those who needed their physical needs met. But Jesus knew that more, important peop- more importantly, people needed their spiritual needs met. And there are times in life that we're going to have to leave what we're comfortable with and sometimes even leave our successes and go tell others about Jesus. And I appreciate what Mike had to say about God calls us to, to character, not comfort. And I I thought about this even in my own life, as Autumn and I discussed and prayed through and and thought about and fasted about coming to Casper. You know, we'd been in Garing for 16 years, and during that time, after doing children's ministry and youth ministry for 16 years, God, you know, had caused some growth in both of those areas of ministry. And it would have been so much easier just to stay put and continue to do what was familiar and what was comfortable But once again, Jesus gives us an example of when we are open to God's will for our lives, we at times will need to move on from what might be familiar, what might be comfortable, what we might be successful in, to what God is calling us to. And I believe that God has called all of us to be a part of a ministry here at PV that has great potential for the kingdom of God. Every one of you is being called to be used by God to grow his kingdom here through this body of believers. The question is, is, are we willing to make God's priorities the priorities of our lives? For Jesus, his priority wasn't to be popular or famous because if it was, he'd just go back to the crowd that was gathering and he would continue to heal and people would be like, oh yeah, Jesus, you're awesome. This is great. We love the fact that you're doing all this for us. But that wasn't his priority. His priority wasn't to do whatever was the easiest or what made him the most successful by human standards. He didn't make money or entertainment or being comfortable a priority, which are for me, seem to all be kind of high on my priority list. Jesus' priority was to, the, to do the will of his Father and to share the good news of the kingdom of God. Is your number one priority to do the will of God? And if so, then part of God's will for our lives is to share the good news of the kingdom of God. See, we have to really evaluate in our lives, are we more concerned about being successful and comfortable and what's familiar, or is God calling us to something so much better? 
And we're talking about even this 90-day challenge that Todd and Bradley are bringing before the congregation. And the, the, to go, if you go to refine90allletters.com, all, all you know, there's a list of things that you could really begin to, to commit to God and to sacrifice in your life. And they really have to do with the, the areas of comfortability and entertainment in the areas of what's familiar. And, and, and so Jesus, again, says, hey, let's go somewhere else. Because what my real priority, what God's priority for my life is to, to preach and to teach, to share the good news. And so the last thing I would encourage you to write down this morning is, well, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to us? And verse 39 again says, so he traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And I don't know if you realize this already, but you are all called to do exactly what Jesus is doing in this verse. Jesus is preaching the gospel and working against the kingdom of darkness. Do you see that? He's preaching the gospel and he's working against the kingdom of darkness. So, what should our agenda be every single day of our lives? Well, we should be speaking on behalf of God and pushing back the kingdom of darkness. Wherever it happens in our lives and in the lives of the people around us, that's our role. That, that's where we come in. We have to realize that this applies to each and every one of us if we're in Christ. Many of you know the First Peter 2, 9 passage where it says, we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We, we all have this responsibility. If you're going to be a true follower of Jesus, a disciple that makes other disciples, then we have to do, to do as Jesus did. And, and this is what Jesus did. He, he goes and he preaches the gospel and he pushes back the darkness. And once again, it, if Jesus made prayer, a priority in order to be in direct alignment with God's will, then how much more do we need to make prayer a priority in our lives? We need to do what is most important. If we're going to be on mission for God, then we have to go to God and say, God, what is the most important thing that you want me to be involved in? And what did Jesus do that was most important? Well, he proclaimed the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, and he fought against the kingdom of darkness. So, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? That's a, a question that my 18-year-old daughter has kind of been asked in lots of different forms. Well, what's your future? What are you going to do? Where, where are you heading? What, going to college? You're doing this? You know, what are you doing with your life? And I think the question is not just for our 18-year-old graduates but it's for every single one of us every single day. Are you taking advantage of those opportunities to have a conversation with someone that you know that does not believe in Jesus? And you find out why they don't believe in Jesus. And you begin to pray about how you might be the tool that God uses to bring Jesus into their lives. That How you can maybe share your testimony of how Jesus has impacted your life with them. Could you use social media to make a difference for the kingdom of God? I've, I've heard people lately of doing a, a testimony 
a testimony challenge where they take about five minutes and they record themselves sharing where they were before Jesus, how they came in contact with Jesus, and where they're at now because of Jesus in their life. And then they post that on social media. Wherever you are, whatever you spend your time doing, you are to share the good news of Jesus. And that's what the Great Commission is all about, isn't it? At youth group, Tommy's been going through the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where it says, All authority, Jesus is speaking, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I was reminded a week or so ago that the, the Greek word for go in this passage has more of the idea of as you go. And we talked about this at youth group actually just last Wednesday night. Meaning every one of us, every one of us are to be making disciples as we live our lives. As we go, not, not necessarily when we go and, and once, we, once we get there, then that's when we begin to make disciples. No, it's, it's an ongoing process of when we live our lives, we're going to have an impact for the kingdom as we make disciples. We're to be sharing the good news of Jesus and the kingdom of God with those we have influence on. Wherever and whenever, and it, sometimes it's in little simple ways, like at our softball games, we're trying to, you know, reach out and ask if the other team wants to pray with us before or after the game, and, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. One gentleman said, well, that's not really my thing. This was Paul asking him. Paul said, hey, do you guys mind praying with us? And he said, well, he's, he's standing there holding, holding a beer, and he says, well, that's not really my thing, but some of these other guys might want to, and sure enough, some of the other guys came over, and we prayed with them, and, uh, you know, it's just bringing God into your everyday life, your interactions with people, making sure people know that God is what is your priority, and the way that we make disciples, again, is by sharing Jesus, and according to, again, the Great Commission, baptizing them, for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then continuing to teach them to go and make other disciples. And so I ask again, what are you doing with your life? Are you making any sort of effort to get up in the morning before anyone else needs you in order to spend time putting on the full armor of God with your commander and chief? And again, I'm not throwing this out to try to make us all feel guilty, to put us on a guilt trip, because again, guilt will only motivate us for a short time. But I pray that God's word, as we're reading this, is reminding you of something that you already know that can make a huge impact in your life for the kingdom of God. And so I would challenge us all, if we're to apply these verses, to start simple. To get up 15 minutes earlier than you already do and make prayer a priority. And I know for me, I, I can struggle with making prayer a priority, especially early on. I told you already, I'm not much of an early riser early on every single day. But I will say this, that the days when I am up early 
And I do go down a lot of times and just walk on my treadmill. I used to run, but I turned 40, you know, a year or so ago. And so now I just walk. And uh, as I'm walking, there's been different times where I do different things. Sometimes it's just praying through stuff in my mind. Sometimes I put a list on the front of the treadmill where I can read down through people's names. And, and I begin to pray for you individuals, praying for our church, praying for the future. Where are we headed? How are we going to reach the lost? And I will say that the days where I get up early and spend that time in communication with God, man, my days go so much better. I believe that the quality time you spend with God will have a direct impact on your relationships with other people. If I spend time in the morning talking to God about what kind of husband or dad or pastor he wants me to be, it has a direct impact on how I interact with my children and my wife and other people the rest of the day. And again, now, I'm not saying that I do this perfectly. In fact, I really, as I prepared this sermon, it was, it was really more for me than probably many of you today. But I will guarantee you that the more time you spend in communication with God, the better your other relationships will be as well. The more time you spend hearing from the Lord, the easier it is to follow where he is leading. We see that in this passage, these short four verses. Are you listening to God's voice when it comes to making the things of God a priority in your life? Are you sharing the good news of Jesus and combating the darkness of the enemy? And if you aren't yet, don't give up. It doesn't mean that you failed. It just means that you need to move forward in these areas. Satan is going to try and convince you that there are other things that are more important in your life, like sleep, financial stability, comfortability, success, human relationships, etc. And those aren't necessarily bad in of themselves, but Jesus knew what was important and that's what he focused on. Will you be willing to follow Jesus' example from these verses today and make the things of God a priority in your life? Are you willing to get up 15 minutes earlier than you already do to pray and to read God's word? It's when we are willing to do as Jesus did that we can better share the gospel and fight against the kingdom of darkness. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. And if you need to make PV your church home, then in just a moment, I invite you to come. And if you have no relationship with God this morning, because you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and you need to do that today, then I would ask that you come as well. We're going to stand and we're going to sing a song of invitation. If you have a decision to make this morning, would you come as we sing? Will you stand with me this morning?